You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. All right. Well, again, oh, forgive me. Please have a seat. <laughs> so uh, good evening again. Uh, at this time, what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to invite your attention to Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6, and they read as follows. You all right? Okay. Okay, just make sure. Okay. <laughs> and it says, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom we hide our faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us Using this passage as a foundation, the title of this message is Unwrapping Jesus. Unwrapping Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to you I give all honor, glory, and praise. I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to speak to your people. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto your sight. I ask that you speak to me, through me, and for me, that this message might be a word in season for everyone here. Please give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So, <clears throat> I like to watch people. Now, not in like a creepy stalker kind of way, <laughs> but simply as an observer of human behavior, and if we're all being honest, I know you guys watch people too. And one of the things I find interesting is watching people during gift-giving events. And, and I always find it so interesting <clears throat> how people are so attracted to nicely wrapped gifts. Even though you have no idea what's inside the package, there's just something about festive wrapping paper and colorful bowls and ribbons that just attract us. And it's funny because when someone picks out a nicely wrapped gift, there's an anticipation and expectation that builds up as they start to wrap it because they realize there must be something good on the inside. Now, conversely, <clears throat> my voice, all right, stay with me. It's okay. In Jesus' name, healing, Jesus' name. But conversely, Sometimes those gifts which are not as impressively wrapped that maybe they look like your five-year-old did it. 
people don't get nearly as excited about those. It's not the same level of anticipation. And, and, and you know, Pastor Tom, I was asking myself, I wonder why that is. And what I have concluded is that because people assume that the quality of the wrapping is indicative of the quality of the gift. People assume that if the wrapping is impressive, the gift on the inside must be impressive as well. Conversely, if the wrapping is not impressive and if it doesn't have that wow factor, then more than likely the gift doesn't have that wow factor as well. But what I have discovered is that looks can be deceiving. Sometimes the most impressive wrapping job has the most mundane and mediocre gift. But sometimes the most average, unassuming wrapping can hold the most amazing gift. And I thought about this because when I read Isaiah 53, and Isaiah 53 is one of many Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah, which we now know is personified in the person of Jesus Christ. And in this passage, what it establishes is that the coming Messiah is not wrapped in a manner that is demonstrative of the gift on the inside. What the Bible says in verse 2, it says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. You see, there was nothing about the Messiah's appearance that would make us say, ooh, I want one of those under my tree. He had no majesty. So though he was a king, he was not born in a palace. He was not surrounded by servants and attendants. Instead, he was born in a barn, surrounded by farm animals. His first bed was not a lavish and decadent bassinet or crib. Oh, no, no, no. His first bed was a trough from which animals eat their food. He was not born the son of a high-paying uh, professional or some senior government official. He was not born in the wealth and prestige. Instead, he was born the son of a carpenter. But verse 2 also says that we would not have been attracted to his physical beauty. Now, I'm not saying our Savior was ugly. What I am saying is that there was nothing about his appearance that would attract us to him. He was not known for being dashingly handsome and having rugged good looks. So, <clears throat> have you guys ever seen that Old Spice commercial? You know the one with the guy who says, hello, ladies. Look at your man, now back at me. Now back at your man, now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if you start using ladies to the body wash to switch to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down, back up, where are you? You're on a boat sailing with a man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it, it's two tickets to Twisted. Look again, those tickets have now turned into salvations. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm at C3. <laughs> I can't even whistle now, okay. But you guys know how it goes. So 
This man in this commercial, he has appeal, all right? Men and women alike are attracted to him, hopefully for very different reasons. But women are attracted to him because either they want him or they want a man like him. Men are attracted to him because either they want to be like him or they want to be him. But that was not Jesus. Jesus did not step out of an Old Spice commercial. He did not step off the cover of GQ magazine. There was nothing about him that would make you want to do a double take. But instead, he was not, he was not wrapped in the splendor that his deity warranted. Instead, he came in appearance that was average and unassuming. Now, as I was preparing for this message, you know, I, I again, I'm, 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 I started asking questions. And I started wondering, well, I mean, why didn't Jesus come with all of these things? I mean, after all, I mean, he is God. So why didn't he come with the wealth and the prestige and the money and the beauty? Why didn't he come with all those things? Why didn't he come in like Oprah and say, hey, I'm the new savior. If you follow me, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Why didn't he come in like that? And then as I considered it, the answer to the question is really quite simple. You see, Jesus wanted people to look past the wrapping and see the gift on the inside. He did not want people following him because they were attracted to his face. He wanted them to follow because they were attracted to his heart. He didn't want people drawn to his wealth. He wanted people drawn to his word. He didn't want people focused on the temporal. He wanted them focused on the eternal. He did not want them looking through the values of the world. He wanted them seeing through the values of the kingdom. 1 Peter 1, 24-25 says, All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It does not change. Once it's there, it is there. And here's the thing. This proves how, why Jesus is so much smarter than all of us. Because Jesus understood that everything that's here today will be gone tomorrow. Wealth can come, and as many of you in this room know, wealth can go. Looks can fade, but it is his word that never changes. It is his word that never falters. It's his word that never fails. It's his word that never passes. Now, look, <laughs> I get it. I mean, I appreciate beautiful things just as much as the next person. And I understand it is human nature to be attracted to the exterior. It is human nature to be attracted to those things that appear beautiful and desirable on the outside. But if we're all being really honest, how many times has that gotten us into trouble? How many times have we judged a book by the cover instead of reading its pages and then ended up making a really bad judgment call. How many people in here, and, and, and you don't have, please don't raise your hands, but I'm sure we all know someone, for example, we all know someone who may have passed up on a good man or a good woman because the other option was more attractive, because the other option had more junk in their trunk. Because every time the other option wrote a check, the bank bounced. 
only to discover that that person was wonderful eye candy, but horrible relationship material. You see, the reality is, is that people are prone to making snap judgments based on external appearances instead of internal value. Take King Saul, for example, the very first king of Israel. People assumed he was going to be a great king because he was handsome and head and shoulders above all the other men. But when you look past his kingly appearance and looked at his interior, you discovered a man who was extremely insecure. So insecure that he made a series of bad decisions that ultimately caused him to lose the kingdom. Again, men, we, people, we often focus on the external instead of the internal. Now, just, just, just as a point of reference, understand that nobody is immune to this. Even God's anointed, even believers are not immune to this. Because later, God tells the prophet Samuel, he says, go to a man named Jesse and anoint one of his sons as king. And as soon as Samuel shows up, he sees Jesse's first son. He says, oh, surely this guy is a king. And then God says, whoa, 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 slow down. First of all, do not judge by his appearance, for I have rejected him. Instead, what he says is the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, here's the thing. God does not care how you look. He doesn't care how much money you make. He doesn't care where you're from. He doesn't care what kind of car you drive. He doesn't care. What he cares about is your heart. Do you have a heart that loves him? Do you have a heart that honors him? Do you have a heart that seeks him? Do you have a heart that believes in him? Do you have a heart that wants to serve him? Do you have a heart that wants to obey him? That's what he's looking at. He's looking at your heart. Now, unfortunately, back in the time of Jesus, people could not get past his outward appearance and see him and embrace him for who he really was. Isaiah says in verse uh, 3, he says, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. <clears throat> you see, when people saw Jesus, they did not see king. They did not see Messiah. They did not see God. What they saw was a man who did not fit what they were expecting. You see, they were expecting the coming Messiah to be a great military leader. They were expecting the coming Messiah to be a politician. Instead, what did they get? They got a carpenter's son. They did not honor him or esteem him. Instead, he was marginalized. He was looked down upon. Some people even accused him of being demon-possessed. People were offended by him because they thought to themselves, who does he think he is? I mean, who does he think he is? I mean, I know where he's from. I used to live right up the street from him. We used to play pin the tail on the camel when we were kids. I know him, and now all of a sudden he's coming to me telling me he's a Messiah? Psst, whatever. People were offended because they could not see past the exterior to who he was. They totally disregarded the fact that through him the blind could see, the lame could walk, and the dead were raised from the grave. They could not appreciate the gift on the inside because of what they saw on the outside. 
And I know that as I speak this, this is a story of a lot of you here to where people, because they know where you're from, because they know what you've been through, because they know your history, they deny the transformation that has occurred inside of you when you accepted Jesus Christ because they're stuck in the past and they can't see the gift on the inside. I know I'm talking to somebody. But that's not how we're supposed to be. And what's really sad is that that was then, but guess what? The same thing is happening today. Even today, many are reluctant to unwrap the gift of Jesus because he's not wrapped in the things that the world values. He is contrary to what the world deems as being praiseworthy. He's about serving, not being served. He's about being last in order to be first. He's about giving instead of receiving. He's about putting the needs of others before his own. He's about forgiving those who hurt you and blessing those who persecute you. He is not wrapped in what the world values. But although the world would consider his wrapping to be unimpressive and unappealing, when you unwrap Jesus, the gift you get is far greater than anything the world could ever, ever offer you. You see, what God wants to give you, he does not want to give you a gift that will satisfy you for a season. He wants to give you a gift that satisfy you for an eternity. So when you unwrap Jesus, what exactly do you get? I mean, what do you get when you unwrap the gift of Jesus? Well, I don't have even remote, oh, I definitely don't have enough time to tell you everything. Even if I had like a month, I wouldn't even get close. But I'd like to talk about just a few of them. So the first thing is when you unwrap Jesus, you unwrap forgiveness. Isaiah 53, 5 through 6 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, Jesus did not die for his own sins. You want to know why? Because he didn't have any. Instead, he died for our sins. His royal blood was the currency that paid the sin debt that we could never pay. He paid the penalty for our transgressions and our iniquity. And despite how we mistreated him, how we marginalized him, how we made false accusations against him, he gave himself as a ransom for many. So that way we could enjoy forgiveness from every mistake, every misstep, and every malicious motive. And by his blood, our slate has been wiped clean. Our sins have been separated from us as far as the east is from the west. And now we can stand before a holy God, righteous and blameless. When you unwrap Jesus, you unwrap forgiveness. You also unwrap life. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, when Christ died for our sins, he permanently bridged the gap that separated us from God. When he died, he was able to tear the curtain that separated us from the holies of holies and split it down the middle. So now we can come before the throne of grace with confidence. But when he rose from the dead, 
he demonstrated that he had power over the grave and over death. And when he rose from the dead, what that establishes now, life eternal was our new reality. One of my uh, favorite verses is, is one my father used to recite every Sunday. is John 14, 1 through 3. And it says, let not your heart be troubled. For if you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house, there are many mansions. And if that were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And one of the reasons I love this verse so much, because it paints a picture of Jesus going to prepare the most amazing place for us. And he says, I'm preparing this place for you because I don't want to be without you. I don't want to spend eternity without you. So I'm doing this so I don't ever have to be separated from you because I love you that much. Man, mm, so good. Life eternal with him. But it's not just life in the after. He also came to bring us life now. John 10, 10 says the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came to give life and life more abundantly. You see, he wants you to live not just a good life. He wants you to live the best life. He doesn't want you to have a minuscule and mediocre life. He wants you to live the best life. He wants you to live a life full of joy and purpose. Because that's what he died for. Why would he die to give you anything less? He wouldn't. He died so you could have life not just up there, but right here, right now. And that's what he wants you to have. So daggone it, you guys should have it. Take it. <clears throat> when you unwrap Jesus, you also unwrap healing. Isaiah 53.5 says, once again, I keep re repeating the same uh, scripture, but it says, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The new King James Version says, by his stripes we are healed. Understand, it was never God's desire for us to be afflicted by disease, illness, or sickness. It was never his plan to, that we would suffer oppression and depression and addiction and afflictions and all that stuff. So that was not his plan. But when sin came into the world, that's what came with it. But God had a plan to restore us back to the condition that he originally intended, and that plan was Jesus. So with every punch he suffered, with every lash across his back, with every swing of the hammer that drove nails through his hands and feet, we were able to receive healing. And he was able to set the effects of sin that ravaged our mind, bodies, and spirits back. And through his sacrifice, Tatiana, we can speak authority over cancer. Through his sacrifice, we have authority 
over depression. We have authority over suicide. We have authority over miscarriages. We have authority over everything that the devil came to steal from us. We can now speak to it and say in the name of Jesus, by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus bought our healing for us. When you unwrap Jesus, you not only unwrap healing, you unwrap peace. So um, back in 2007, uh, I was in Iraq, smack dab in the middle of Baghdad. And every morning, my alarm clock was the sound of incoming mortar rounds every morning. And I remember I used to just kind of lay there with my hands across my chest and say, well, I guess it's time to get up. And I had a, and we used to stay in these kind of metal trailers, um, which were really, I mean, paper thin. And if a mortar landed by our trailer, it would literally like shred the trailer like, you know, like, like paper. But I was there, and, and in my trailer, uh, mate, I also had a roommate, and I remember every time you hear the thuds and the booms, he'd, <gasps> and he would just jump, and you'd kind of shake. And I remember one day we were walking through the camp, and he walked up to me and said, Dominic, I don't get it. And I said, well, what's that? He said, how is it that you are so peaceful? How is it that you are so calm? I am freaking out. Why are you so peaceful? And I looked at him. I said, well, the answer is really quite simple. I said, because I know who I belong to. So if something happens here, don't get me wrong. I want to come home safe and sound. But if I don't, that's okay. Because I know the place I'm going is much, much better than this. Where there will be no more sorrow, there's no more prejudice, there's no more poverty, there's no more hate, no more anger, no more sickness, all that gone. And that peace I have is yours if you want it. All you got to do is accept Jesus. That's when I came to know him as Jehovah Shalom, God my peace. That's when I understood what it meant to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. But I only know this and understand this because I unwrapped Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. And lastly, I, I want to say that when you unwrap Jesus, you unwrap love. See, I'm not talking about a conditional love. I'm talking about a love that meets you exactly where you are. A love that accepts you right now in your brokenness. A love that accepts you right now in your ish. A love that just sees you and says, I love you. It's not a love that expects you to fix yourself and change yourself in order to be loved. It's not a love based on how well can you earn it, how well can you meet my conditions. It's a love that says, I love you just because I love you. It's the love that meets you where you are but loves you too much to leave you there. It's the kind of love that says, it's not based upon who you are, it's based upon who 
he is. It's a love that says you are worth dying for. The Bible says in Romans 5, 6, it says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ God died for the ungodly, which was all of us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For just a moment, put that into perspective. I'm sure all of us would die for our families, yeah. Die for your kids, I know I would. Die for your spouse, I know I would. But what about an acquaintance? What about someone you don't even know? What about someone who has talked bad about you? What about someone who has offended you? What about someone who has hurt someone close to you, like one of your kids? What about someone who has hurt you? What about someone who has betrayed you? What about someone who has violated you? Would you forgive that person? Lots of us have to do some serious soul searching and be like, uh, I don't know. Not Jesus. The very people who drove the spear into his side, the very people who drove the nails into his hands and feet, the very people who put the crown of thorns on his head, the very people who abuse him and spit on him and put the cattails across his back until the flesh was hanging off of him. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the kind of love he has for each one of us. And I got to tell you, that's really, really good news. So as I kind of come to a close, you want to know what the great thing about a gift is? Is that it doesn't cost you anything. If I give you something and I expect payment, well, then it's not a gift, it's a purchase. If I try to give you something and then I expect something in return, that's not a gift, it's a trade. But the beauty of a gift is all you have to do. The only requirement of a gift is for you to open your hand and receive it. That's it. And that's the gift of Jesus. Enrique, he quoted it so beautifully. Romans, uh, uh, Revelations 3.20. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, that person with me. You see, now he's not in there trying to kick your door in you know for all my you know spec war guys you know he's not putting blue devils on the door he's not trying to breach the door to get into your heart okay that's not what he's doing he's just knocking and he's letting you know I love you and the gift I have for you my salvation it is free your only thing you got to do is accept it that's it now, there might be some people in here tonight who might be thinking, well, you know, that's, that's quite a gift. I, I don't think I deserve that. I, 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 I haven't earned that. I don't deserve that kind of gift. Can I be really transparent? 
You're right, you don't. But guess what? Neither do I. As amazing as Pastor Drew and Pastor Emma are, they don't either. As amazing as Pastor Jurgen and Pastor Leanne are, they don't. My man Jay over there, how awesome he is. Have you guys seen some of the shirts he wears? That dude is balling. Oh my gosh. He's just, just, just so handsome. As amazing as he is, he doesn't deserve it either. But it was never based upon whether we deserved it. It was because of who Jesus was. So right here in this moment, I would like to say to anybody who has never received the gift of Jesus, would you be willing to open your hand and receive it tonight? Would you be willing to receive the most amazing gift you could ever receive? A gift that forgives you for every mistake you have ever made. A gift that gives you life, not just eternal, but life right here, right now. A gift that wants to heal you in your mind, body, and your spirit. A gift that wants to, despite the chaos that is happening around you, a gift that wants to give you peace. A gift that just simply says, my son, my daughter, I love you. What gift could be better than that? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 